Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com/play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. It is SNY.TV's The Juice on the Cuse podcast, covering Syracuse basketball, lacrosse, and football. Today on The Juice on the Cuse podcast on SNY.TV, we'll be talking about a big day for Trevor Cooney and the football team closing in on a bowl game. I'm Wes Chang, and I'm joined by Syracuse basketball player Andrew Cowie. And our guest today is Syracuse basketball beat writer for the Post Standard and our very good friend Mike Waters. Mike, always a pleasure to have you on the show. Always good talking to you, Wes. And Andrew's here, too. That's cool. (laughs) So, Mike, I want to get you started on this one. Obviously, the big story from Friday night against Cornell, Trevor Cooney nailing seven threes, looking about as good as I've ever seen him. Is this a sign of things to come? Is he going to be kind of that James Sutherland-type shooter for this year's team? Yeah, I I think that is his role. And they're going to be looking around for a a three-point threat. I mean, consistency is what they're hoping for. And, you know, yeah, he had a great night the other night against Cornell. He went, you know, seven of eight from three-point range. But, you know, that's a night when he's just on fire. In order to get consistency out there, we got to see how, you know, he, how does he shoot the ball when the basket doesn't look like he's throwing it in the ocean? <laughs> you know, can he go three for seven, you know, or three for eight, you know, on a night when the, when the shots are, are hard to come by? Because even if he can just do that, you know, that means that he's still that three-point threat that teams have to worry about. Now, another good sign from that night was uh, backup point guard Michael Benajay. He really struggled during the preseason against Holy Family and against Ryerson, but he looked a lot better, and it seemed like he's actually settling a little bit more to that backup point guard role. Uh, what, what type of, what type of uh, image did you get from him from that game? I agree with you. I thought, you know, in the preseason games a couple times he got a little rattled. Um, a couple times he tried to do too much, making a really, you know, tougher than needed to be entry from the from you know the wing into the low post. And you know if that's not there, just you know swing the ball back around and you know try to enter it again from the other side. You know when he's out there for his, you know, five to ten minutes at the point, uh, you know whatever the amount of time is on a given night, they're just looking for him just to kind of be a caretaker out there, get the ball up the court get the guys into their offensive set, and then just get the ball going. He does not have to be, you know, the creator or somebody making a a difficult pass to take care of the ball. He did that against Cornell, but you also have to realize Cornell didn't pressure him. Right. You know, so, you know, Michael Benache's real tests are going to be coming and and probably coming pretty soon because a couple of teams that they could run into out in Maui are the type of teams that are going to try to pressure you. Now, one player we didn't see against Cornell – 
was Jeremy Grant. He had to sit out a game with an eligibility issue, but he's going to play tomorrow night and against Fordham. And I'm, I'm just wondering what type of season you expect to see from him. You've seen him in the practices, and obviously fans haven't yet. Well, you know, I think he's going to have a, a much improved, much bigger season. I, I want to hold back from saying that he's going to be the breakout guy. I mean, I think he, obviously he's the one guy you're looking at uh, to take a big step forward. But, man, some of the expectations being placed on a kid who averaged less than 10 minutes <laughs> a game, uh, they're pretty outlandish. I mean, the thing that makes me think he's going to have a good year is how well he played when C.J. Fair went out uh, for a couple of those games up in Canada. Jeremy really stepped in, filled a big role there. So I think as the guy who can you know, play Robin to C.J. Fair's Batman, I think he's going to be very good. But you know, he's got some areas of his game that still need to work on. And if, number one is he needs to extend his, his, his jump shot. You know, the outside shot needs to be you know, moving back out as they go. He shoots it well. To, to me, he looks a lot like a young C.J. Fair when you just talk about his jumper. You know, C.J. Fair had a nice-looking jump shot as a freshman, but barely shot it at all, and had to slowly extend that range to where last year, you know, if, if C.J. was left open, he could knock it down. Uh, Jeremy's got to work towards that, and we have to remember he's just entering his sophomore year. We can't expect him to be C.J. Fair of last year right away. He might just be the C.J. Fair of C.J. sophomore year. We'll have to see. Mike, a little uh, slight role reversal. I'm going to actually ask you a question this time. <laughs> no comment, Callie. <laughs> so, you know, you've obviously been covered Syracuse basketball for so many years. You know, you're used to going in the same season. And you're, you know, you understand what's going to happen with the Connecticut's and the Georgetown's and the St. John's. What, I'm curious from your perspective in terms of now the change to the ACC and just what you're thinking in terms of how everything's going to play out from the atmospheres. I mean, we understand the Duke and North Carolinas, but just the whole ACC from the Wake Forest and the Georgia Tech, kind of your perspective on, on this whole change. I'm looking forward to it. You know what? Listen, I think we're all going to miss, whether you're a Syracuse fan or a Syracuse beat writer um, or a Syracuse player, I think we're going to miss one thing about the Big East, and that's the Big East tournament at Madison Square Garden. Other than that, when you see the direction that the Big East went when Syracuse and Pittsburgh and Notre Dame did leave, you know you didn't you had to make that move when you did because you didn't want to be sitting around letting it happen to you, and and be in the current position that Connecticut's in. You know the Big East schools have gone their own way. Finally, I think that was long overdue. I think the Catholic schools needed to go and reform a basketball league, which is the way the Big East was when it began. So now St. John's and Georgetown and Villanova have, have gone their way. And now Connecticut's left in the league with a lot of, you know, Marquettes and Central Floridas and South Floridas and you know, SMU. I mean, really? I mean, I mean, who, who, who in Connecticut's going to care about that game? Whereas, you know, Syracuse and Pittsburgh now find themselves in, you know, the league now that's going to be the best league in the country. You know, the, the ACC is going to go back to where it was back in the 80s or early 90s as, as the best conference in the country it, because since the Big East is split in two, it, it can't counter that argument. And I'm really looking forward to it. I mean, some of these environments are going to be really tough, difficult places to play, but fun places to play, too. Um, and I think that's what a lot of fans, and Andrew, you could probably speak to this, a lot of fans don't understand that. Like, we all know that Pittsburgh's a tough place to play, but you guys always loved going to play there, didn't you? Oh, absolutely. Oh, it was. it's one of the best places to play just from – from the fans being there early at the game, and it, it, it was just a beautiful, just beautiful. Arena. I remember the old Pittsburgh before the new arena. That was even crazier to play. 
Well, I think we're going to see that in, in the in the ACC too. I mean, yes, Duke's a tough place to play. So's Carolina. So's Maryland. But I think you're going to have fun in those games. I think it's going to be something that both the fans and the players are going to be really, really excited about all year long. Michael, get you out of here on this one. Uh, you know, it wasn't all rosy against Cornell because they fell behind 14 points in the first half. There, there's some holes in this team. Do you see that becoming a bigger problem down the road? Do you see that being an Achilles heel, or is that something that's going to get corrected over time? Well, we'll have to see. I don't like to make rash, you know, conclusions after just one ball game. Sure. But I tell you what, those players did learn something, um, especially like a Tyler Ennis on defense and a couple of the other freshmen. I don't care whether it's an Ivy League team or a Big East team. If you leave a college player open, he will make the shot. Um, you can't just be running towards him because if he's already going up for his shot, he's already eyed the rim and set himself, and anything you're doing at this point, it just looks good for the fans, but you weren't there in time. You know, you have to get there. Syracuse, the players made that adjustment. They found the one Cornell kid that was red hot, Nolan Kressler, and what I thought was terrific and, and really showed that they can lock down on defense when they get their minds onto it is you know, he had 20 points after 16 minutes and then didn't score again for the next 20. And, and, and really over that 20-minute period, I don't know how many shots he got. And so if you're taking a team's red-hot shooter and all of a sudden holding him to maybe two or three attempts over the next 20 minutes, now you're getting it. And that's the kind of defense that you have to play when you're in the zone. You, you have to get out there and, and either deny that shot or at least push that three-point shooter off the line. You know, So he's not shooting it with the toes on the line. Make him shoot it a foot, foot and a half back and you see that percentage drop. Mike, it's always a pleasure to have you on. Again, Mike Waters from the Post Standard and Syracuse.com. Mike, we'll speak with you later in the college basketball scene. Again, thanks so much for being on today. Hey, it's always fun. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, Mike. So I'm now joined in the studio by former Syracuse basketball player and 2003 national champion, Andrew Cowie. Andrew, thanks so much for being in today. Always great to be here. So, Andrew, I, you know, you're college, you're senior college basketball analyst for the Juice Online, so I'm going <laughs> to take <scary>. your brain. <laughs> so what was your biggest takeaway from the game against Cornell? You know, my biggest takeaway was on the offensive side. I'm pretty – I love the defense. I know people talked about how Tyler was going to adapt, you know, being a freshman, but I thought, yeah, you got to get on the shooters and find the shooters, but I love his hands. You know, he was getting steals. He, was, he has great balance. So I'm not really worried on the defensive side. It's the offensive side that kind of concerns me of who's that guy that, you know, Michael Carter-Williams could break down and then make it make easy shots for everyone else. It, can Tyler do that? Is C.J. Fair really have the ability to be kind of that a little bit like a mellow where you can just run isolation plays for him and he can get buckets when you need when you need a bucket the last three minutes of a game? Now, you've been around the team. Obviously, you spent four years there. You worked under Coach Beheim. These, these early season games, Syracuse is going to win them. I mean, you, right. they're, they're not going to. Those are my games. Those are the games <laughs> that I get in. <laughs> the, the, the Colgates, the Cornells, the Fordhams of the world. Syracuse is going to win those games. What is Coach Beheim trying to get out of his players, not just with, obviously, the, the, the deeper guys on the bench, but also the starters? What is he trying to get from them? I think he's just trying to see the flow, especially on the defense and the offense, of how guys react you know, do they understand their role in terms of what's good shots for them? Do they, you know, get a little bit crazy and get away from the offensive system? I mean, that's the most important thing is the flow. Because when you get into, uh, into ACC play and you have the Dukes and North Carolinas that lock up and are, you can't beat them with your athleticism because they're just as athletic as, they, as you are. 
how is the offense going to flow to get those buckets and sometimes get easy buckets and open shots? And another thing, you know, coach after the game, he kind of railed on the team a little bit. He kind of said, well, hey, listen, we lost Carter Williams, Eastern Conference Player of the Week. We lost James Sutherland. He's on an NBA roster. We lost a four-year starter in Brandon Trish. And he kind of just said, how do you expect this year's team to be better than last year's team? And I guess, you know, he's definitely got a point there. I'm not going to argue with Coach Beheim on that. But why does he say this? Does he say it to lessen expectations on the team? What's his motivation behind it? I mean, I, first of all, it's t- always tough to get in his head, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I would say that, I mean, I think he's the king of always lesser expectations. Uh, but I think, he, I think he sees a little bit of a concern. I think when you look at last year, you had an MCW that could break down, get by people, and make easy shots for fair, make easy shots for James Sutherland. But we also struggled offensively a lot of times if we didn't get a steal or, you know, we got so many turnovers through MCW and Brandon Trish playing great defense and all around. So what happens when if we're not getting those amount of steals, so we're not getting easy fast break baskets. So when it's just a, you know, five on five, you know, using your offense, can Tyler break it down? Can those type of things, I think, is it worries him a little bit. Like with Trevor hitting seven threes, he knows, though, come Duke, North Carolina, they're, they're going to scout that. They're, they're not going to let him get those type of open shots. <laughs> right. So can he create on his own? Those are the type of things that he's looking for and is concerned about, I think. You know, Andrew, it was your first podcast in studio around this time last year. And, uh, you know, you kind of were talking to us and you said, I got a special feeling about this team. You were right. I mean, you know, <laughs> Beheim's team goes to the Final Four once a decade. It was that team. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, I don't know how you feel about this year's team, but I wanted to get your take on that. Um, I don't have as good a feeling as I did last year. I think okay. I, last year's team, I was so excited about their defense. I had never seen a Syracuse defensive team like that. I, I thought it was just tremendous, and I knew – I knew they were going to have their struggles, league play and so forth. But come tournament time, I, I thought peop, you know, other teams were just going to be they, – they didn't know what to do. And I think Michigan was the perfect team to play against because they were so good offensively. Um, you know, I don't know if the defense will be as good. My, my biggest concern is the offense. Uh, you know, when you play teams like Duke and you play teams like North Carolina that have great athleticisms that can match our athleticism, you know, when we, when we had Melo and Hakeem, we ran a play called 53-54, like 95% of the time. <laughs> we used to joke around on the bench, like, oh, we're going to run this play. Like, but it was an isolation play. It was a great NBA play. And they were great post-up players. And I think, you know, I remember talking to Beheim a little bit last year. They started to run that a little bit for CJ. But, you know, when he gets the ball in the post, he turns and face. He's not really a back to, you know, you know post-up kind of guy. So... Where does, you know, can, is Tyler going to be able to break things down? You know, those are my, those are my concerns, I guess. All right. Well, uh, we're right at the end of our show, Andrew. Your closing thoughts? My closing thoughts is for, you know, the Syracuse fans out there. I look at this year as an, almost like a huge March Madness tournament because we're playing every team that you would you play in the tournament. They don't know how we play. We don't know how they play. And I think this is going to give a good barometer of how things kind of play out in the tournament because there's, you're not playing the Connecticut's and Georgetown's. This is different almost every week, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And they have a great non-conference schedule. Uh, Look at they play Indiana. They play Villanova. They play St. John's. They play uh, Minnesota. It's just every, every week they're playing a, a new team that's, that, you know, he's been criticized, Beheim has been criticized in the past for scheduling kind of cupcake non-conference opponents. But if you look at the schedule this year, that is just not the case. I know. And they're going to Maui. I'm so oh, I always wanted to go to Maui. You know, we, we always used to get mad. Oh, we're going back to New York for Thanksgiving. But now they go to Maui. 
Uh, my closing thoughts are on the football team. They defeated Maryland over the weekend 20-3 to and have not allowed a defensive touchdown in eight quarters now, Andrew, eight quarters. Um, they're 5-4 and four now. They only need one win in their last three games. They're at Florida State. They're not going to win that game. <laughs> you never know. You never know. <laughs> yeah, well, they're something like 28-point <laughs> underdogs, so I'm not too worried about that. Um, but they, they have winnable games at home against Pittsburgh and Boston College. They win either of those games. They're going to qualify for back-to-back -back bowl games since the 98-99 season. I don't, we weren't even in college yet. By That's then, crazy. So it's, it's a long time. But anyway, congratulations to Scott Schaefer and on the football team, and I really do hope they get one more win. So that's it for us. For Andrew Cowie, this is Wes Chang reminding you that I've had the same will since I was eight years old. Upon my death, I will transfer all of my belongings to the man or animal who has killed me. You've been listening to the Juice on the Cues podcast on SNY.TV, and we'll see you next time. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.